Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by the Course in Miracles Society. You can access the copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also at that web page, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive an excellent daily email, including both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson. Uh, my name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter, Chapter 12, The Problem of Guilt. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 136. Sickness is a defense against the truth. And by way of opening this morning, well, I'm really happy to say I was directed to a poem from Shailen Harkin in her book, Susceptible to Light. And the poem is called Self-Care. Perhaps we need to give dimension to the meaning of self-care. Self-care can mean finally sinking into the dark pools of your shadows you've long avoided. Self-care can mean encountering a self-spun, excuse me, self-care can also mean encountering the self-spun and inherited veils we've cloaked over our luminous spirit and inquiring, am I more than that? Self-care can mean at last entering the forest of your terrors to realize the fears you've othered are all howling like night animals within you and realizing the outside was always within, which brings new wisdom. Self-care can mean finally looking yourself in the eyes into the black holes of your pupils and their wild desire to annihilate every untruth you've held dear. And within all this, self-care can still mean we get to eat a little extra chocolate. (laughs) Self-care, a new meaning. Love that. Funny. Thank you. I did Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> thank you. How fun. <laughs> fun. Thanks. Alrighty. Self-care. I liked it too. Alright, my, my friends. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran, Harrison, Lana, Robin Marie, Karen, and Jessica. We're joined in listening this morning by Patricia. And as I mentioned earlier, um, my son is visiting this week, so he may be with us and uh, not with us from time to time as this week goes on. Um, Has anyone else joined us like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, Mrs. Donna, and yes, if you need. Thank you. You you bet. Thank you, Donna. All righty. So let's begin then. Chapter 12, The Problem of Guilt. Beginning with the introduction, paragraph 1. 
The ultimate purpose of projection, as the ego uses it, is always to get rid of guilt. Yet, characteristically, the ego attempts to get rid of guilt from its viewpoint only. For as much as the ego wants to retain guilt, you find it intolerable, since guilt stands in the way of your remembering God, whose pull is so strong that you cannot resist it. On this issue, then, the deepest split of all occurs. For if you are to retain guilt as the ego insists, you cannot be you. Only by persuading you that it is you could the ego possibly induce you to project guilt and thereby keep it in your mind. Now, friend. Chapter 12, The Problem of Guilt, Section 1, Introduction. The ultimate purpose of projection, as the ego uses it, is always to get rid of guilt. Yet, characteristically, the ego attempts to get rid of guilt from its viewpoint only. For much as the ego wants to retain guilt, you find it intolerable. Since guilt stands in the way of your remembering God, whose pull is so strong that you cannot resist it. On this issue, then, the deepest split of all occurs. For if you are to retain guilt as the ego insists, you cannot be you. Only by persuading you that it is you could the ego possibly induce you to protect guilt and thereby keep it in your mind, too. Yet consider how strange a solution the ego's arrangement is. You project guilt to get rid of it, but you are actually merely concealing, merely concealing it. You do experience guilt feelings, but you have no idea why. On the contrary, you associate them with a weird assortment of ego ideals which the ego claims you have failed. Yet you have no idea that you are failing the Son of God by seeing him as guilty. Believing you are no longer you, you do not realize that you are failing yourself. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison, if you'd like to read that paragraph and then roll right into the next, please. Okay. <clears throat> Yet consider how strange a solution the ego's arrangement is. You project guilt to get rid of it, but you are actually merely concealing it. You do experience guilt feelings, but you have no idea. Why? On the contrary, you associate them with the weird assortment of ego ideas which the ego claims you have failed. Yet, you have no idea that you are failing the Son of God by seeing him as guilty, believing you are no longer you, you do not realize that you are failing yourself. 
section two, crucifixion by guilt. Three, the darkest of your hidden cornerstone holds your belief in guilt from your awareness. For in that dark and secret place is the realization that you have betrayed God's Son by condemning him to death. You do not even suspect this. You do not even suspect this murderous but insane idea lies hidden there. Let me read that again. You do not even suspect this murderous but insane idea lies hidden there. For the ego's destructive urge is so intense that nothing short of the crucifixion of God's Son can ultimately satisfy it. It does not know who the Son of God is because it is blind. Yet, let it perceive guiltlessness anywhere, and it will try to destroy it because it is afraid. Thank you, Harrison. And Lena. Okay. Chapter 12, The Problem of Guilt. Section 2, Crucifixion by Guilt. The darkest of your hidden cornerstones holds your belief in guilt from your awareness. I'm going to read that sentence again. The darkest of your hidden cornerstones holds your belief in guilt from your awareness. For in that dark and secret place is the realization that you have betrayed God's Son by condemning him to death. You do not even suspect this murderous but insane idea lies hidden there. For the ego's destructive urge is so intense that nothing short of the crucifixion of God's Son and ultimately satisfy it. It does not know who the Son of God is because it is blind, yet it perceives guiltlessness, yet let it perceive guiltlessness anywhere, and it will try to destroy it because it is afraid. Or much of the ego's strange behavior is directly attributable to its definition of guilt. To the ego, the guiltless are guilty. Those who do not attack are its enemies because by not valuing its interpretation of salvation, they are in an excellent position to let it go. They have approached the darkest and deepest cornerstone in the ego's foundation 
And while the ego can withstand your rising all else to question, it guards this one secret with its life, or is its existence does depend on keeping the secret. So it is a secret that we must look upon calmly, for the ego cannot protect you against truth, and in its presence, the ego is dispelled. Thank you, Lana. And Robin Marie. Four. Much of the ego's strange behavior is directly attributable to its definition of guilt. To the ego, the guiltless are guilty. Those who do not attack are its quote-unquote enemies because by not valuing its interpretation of salvation, they are in an excellent position to let it go. They have approached the darkest and deepest cornerstone in the ego's foundation. And while the ego can withstand your raising all else to question, it guards this one secret with its life. For its existence does depend on keeping this secret. So it is this secret that we must look upon calmly. For the ego cannot protect you against truth and its presence. And in its presence, the ego is dispelled. Five. In the calm light of truth, let us recognize that you believe you have crucified God's Son. You have not admitted to this quote-unquote terrible secret because you still wish to crucify him if you could find him. Yet the wish has hidden him from you because it is very fearful and you are afraid to find him. You have handled this wish to kill yourself by not knowing who you are and identifying with something else. You have projected guilt blindly and indiscriminately, but you have not uncovered its source. For the ego does want to kill you, and if you identify with it, you must believe its goal is yours. Thank you, Robin Marie and Karen. In the calm light of truth, let us recognize that you believe you have crucified God's Son. You have not admitted to this quote-unquote terrible secret because you still wish to crucify him if you could find him. Yet the wish was hidden from you because it is very fearful and you are afraid to find him. You have handled this wish to kill yourself by not knowing who you are and identifying with something else. You have projected guilt blindly and indiscriminately, but you have not uncovered its source. For the ego does want to kill you, and if you identify with it, you must believe its goals. Its goal is yours. For the ego does want to kill you, and if you identify with it, you must believe its goal is yours. Six. 
We once said that the crucifixion is the symbol of the ego. When it was confronted with the real guiltlessness of God's son, it did attempt to kill him. And the reason it gave was that guiltlessness is blasphemous to God. To the ego, the ego is God. And guiltlessness must be interpreted as the final guilt, which fully justifies murder. You do not yet understand that all your fear of this course stems ultimately from this interpretation. But if you will consider your reactions to it, you will become increasingly convinced that this is so. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Thanks, Lori. Six, we once said that the crucifixion is the symbol of the ego. When it was confronted with the real guiltlessness of God's son, it did attempt to kill him. And the reason it gave was that guiltlessness is blasphemous to God. To the ego, the, wait, to the ego, the ego is God. And guiltlessness must be interpreted as the final guilt which fully justifies murder. You do not yet understand that all your fear of this court stems ultimately from this interpretation. But if you will consider your reactions to it, you will become increasingly convinced that this is so. This course has explicitly stated that its goal for you is happiness and peace. Yet you are afraid of it. You have been told again and again that it will make you free. Yet you react as if it is trying to imprison you. Most of the time you dismiss it, but you do not dismiss the ego's thought system. You have seen its results and you still lack faith in it. You must then believe that by not learning the course, you are protecting yourself. And you do not realize that it is only your guiltlessness which can protect you. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Seven. This course has implicitly stated that its goal is for you, that its goal for you is happiness and peace. Yet you are afraid of it. You have been told again and again that it will make you free. Yet you react as if it's trying to imprison you. Most of the time you dismiss it, but you do not dismiss the ego's thought system. You have seen its results and you still lack faith in it. You must then believe that by not learning the course, you are protecting yourself, and you do not realize that it is only your guiltlessness which can protect you. Eight, the atonement has always been interpreted as the release from guilt, and this is correct if it is understood. 
Yet even when I had interpreted it for you, you have rejected it and have not accepted it for yourself. You have recognized the futility of the ego and its offerings. But though you do not want the ego, you do not look upon the alternative with gladness. You are afraid of redemption, and you believe it will kill you. Make no mistake about the depth of your fear, for you believe that in the presence of truth, you will turn on yourself and destroy yourself. Thank you, Donna. And is there a new reader for eight and nine? Sandra, I can read. Thank you, Sandra. The atonement has always been interpreted as the release from guilt. And this is correct if it is understood. Yet even when I have interpreted it for you, you have rejected it and have not accepted it for yourself. You have recognized the futility of the ego and its offerings. But though you do not want the ego, you do not look upon the alternative with gladness. You are afraid of redemption and you believe it will kill you. Make no mistake about the depth of your fear. For you believe that in the presence of truth, you will turn on yourself and destroy yourself. Nine, little children, this is not so. Your, quote, guilty secret is nothing. And if you will but bring it to the light, the light will dispel it. And then no dark cloud will remain between you and the remembrance of your father. For you will remember his guiltless son who did not die because he is immortal. And you will see that you were redeemed with him and have never been separated from him. In this understanding lies your remembering, for it is the recognition of love without fear. There will be great joy in heaven on your homecoming, and the joy will be yours. For the redeemed Son of Man is the guiltless Son of God, and to recognize him is your redemption. Amen. Amen, yes. And is there another new reader then to complete today with paragraph 9? I'll read it, Lori. Oh, thanks, Lori. Okay, I'm going to back up, I don't know, how many sentences do you think I should back up? Just, I'm just the one. For me. For you believe that in the presence of truth, you will turn on yourself and destroy yourself. Little children, this is not so. Your quote-unquote guilty secret is nothing. And if you will but bring it to the light, the light will dispel it. And then no dark cloud will remain between you and the remembrance of your father. For you will remember his guiltless son who did not die because he is immortal. 
and you will see that you were redeemed with him and have never been separated from him. In this understanding lies your remembering, for it is the recognition of love without tears. There will be great joy in heaven on your homecoming, and the joy will be yours. For the redeemed Son of Man is the guiltless Son of God, and to recognize him is your redemption. Amen. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, everyone who read this morning. Um, Touch an important tenet, this problem of guilt. So to... Hello? Yes? Uh, So to touch uh, just some of the really high points here in this problem of guilt. The ultimate purpose of projection, as the ego uses it, is always to get rid of guilt, yet characteristically, the ego attempts to get rid of guilt from its viewpoint only. For much as the ego wants to retain guilt, you find it intolerable since guilt stands in the way of your remembering God whose pull is so strong you cannot resist it. On this issue then, the deepest split of all occurs for if you are to retain guilt as the ego insists, you cannot be you. Only by persuading you that it is you could the ego possibly induce you to project guilt and thereby keep it in your mind. Yet consider how strange a solution the ego's arrangement is. You project guilt to get rid of it, but you are actually merely concealing it. You do experience guilt feelings, but have no idea why. On the contrary, you associate them with a weird assortment of ego ideals, which the ego claims you have failed. Yet you have no idea that you are failing the Son of God by seeing him as guilty. Believing you are no longer you. You do not realize that you are failing yourself. In this crucifixion by guilt, we have the darkest of your hidden cornerstones that hold your belief in guilt from your awareness. The ego's destructive urge is so intense Things short of the crucifixion of God's Son can ultimately satisfy it. It does not know who the Son of God is because it is blind. Yet let it perceive guiltlessness anywhere and it will try to destroy it because it is afraid. To the ego, the guiltless are guilty and those who do not attack are its enemies because by not valuing its interpretation of salvation, they're in an excellent position to let it go. They have approached the darkest and deepest cornerstone of the ego's foundation, and while the ego can withstand you raising all else to question, it guards this one secret with its life, for its existence does depend on keeping this secret. And so, it is this secret we must look upon calmly, for the ego cannot protect you against truth and in its presence the ego is dispelled. In paragraph 5 
Let us recognize that you believe you have crucified God's Son. You have not admitted to this quote-unquote terrible secret because you still wish to crucify him if you could find him. You have handled this wish to kill yourself by not knowing who you are and identifying with something else. You have projected guilt blindly and indiscriminately, but you have not uncovered its source. For the ego does want to kill you, and if you identify with it, you must believe its goal is yours. In 6, we once said that crucifixion is a symbol of the ego. When it was confronted with the real guiltlessness of God's Son, it did attempt to kill him. And the reason it gave was that guiltlessness is blasphemous to God. To the ego, the ego is God. And guiltlessness must be interpreted as the final guilt which fully justifies murder. In 7, this course is explicitly stated that its goal for you is happiness and peace, yet you are afraid of it. Most of the time you dismiss this fear, but you do not dismiss the ego's thought system. You do not realize that it is only your guiltlessness which can protect you. The atonement has always been interpreted as the release from guilt, and this is correct if it is understood. Yet when I've interpreted it for you, you've rejected it and have not accepted it for yourself. You are afraid of redemption, and you believe it will kill you. Make no mistake about the depth of your fear, for you believe that in the presence of truth, you will turn on yourself and destroy yourself. And finally, in nine little children, this is not so. Your so-called guilty secret is nothing. And if you will bring it to the light, the light will dispel it. And then no dark cloud will remain between you and the remembrance of your father. For you will remember his guiltless son, who did not die because he is immortal. And you will see that you were redeemed with him and have never been separated from him. In this understanding lies your remembering, for it is the recognition of love without fear. There will be great joy in heaven on your homecoming, and the joy will be yours, for the redeemed Son of Man is the guiltless Son of God, and to recognize Him is your redemption. Why, that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? Amen. And the floor is open. Thank you, everyone. Oh, thanks for that, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That's Lori, and, uh, and and when he sits down and explains my problem to me, I realize in this text and in the lesson both, um, there's something in me that wants to follow this illogic through all of its circuitous uh, steps. 
and and that's something thinks well if I could just get it you know I wouldn't have this problem with sickness or with guilt which are probably both the same things uh, I believe they are um, but it, it seems to have taken a while for me to realize that it's not necessary to follow uh, this circuitous route because it's such a tangle that um, that I need relief from it uh, it is so illogical that to lay it out like this um, seems as though if I could just follow what he's talking about here I'd somehow get something but the point of it is is that it's so illogical that it can't be gotten it's insane what ego does with guilt and how it displaces it onto the body or displaces it onto the world or displaces it wherever it can um, and so the idea that that following that logic will lead to logic is um, is the place where uh, the freedom lies uh, it is not logical and um, following its circuitous route through all the various thoughts that it tries to weave together to make a picture um, will not help me understand truth at all um, so anyway that's maybe a good place to begin I'm complete thank you Laurie this is Steve thank you Laurie so and everybody true. Hello? Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say uh, in follow-up to what you said, Lori, this is Jessica, that um, when I'm trying to figure something out and I get confused trying to sort all the logic of why I'm feeling something or why my thought process created, quote-unquote, um, some experience or something, that's the ego trying to confuse me and hide the truth again. I feel like that's sort of part of what you were saying. Thanks. Well said. Exactly. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, thank thank you. you, Jessica. Thank you, everybody. This is Steve. And what's coming up for me listening to the reading is that I've been taught since my early 20s from my spiritual teachers that there's a difference between the menu and the actual food and that example was used that you can't really eat the menu and the course the book the teachings I like the words but the experience is what we feel or what I feel of being with the state of no fear freedom and love and to stick with what I experience is a lot realer than theories such as the word eternity and no death and this and that, all I'm given 
on this job description of human life is this present awareness of love, connection, peace, fulfillment in the now. And any denial of the body as real or the world as real or any of this, it's all here for me to experience. The way I experience it, the course helps me to focus on what is real and to realize also, call a spade a spade. There are parts of me, a voice in me, that wants to deny the miracle of existence right now and go into planning the future, worrying about the future, feeling like the present. This has been big. Feeling that the present is not really the way it should be and it should be different than the way it is now. But the way it is now is what I'm being taught to stick with. So I, I'm, I'm urged to remain vigilant to the agenda of the ego, to recognize its lies, its fears, and to accept it. And to actually observe it and apply the teachings of what would you do if you knew that that which is uh, that you are within its caring agenda I forget the statement of so how would you live if you knew that that all powerfulness has your best interest at heart that's in opposition to the ego, which says that right now it's raining and it shouldn't rain. Huh. So sticking with the experience of right now being with that presence, it's real. It's not a theory. It's not words. And it's not a concept. Such as eternity. For me... I'd rather eat the food of right nowness, of fearless, loving connection than the projection of the ego. That's enough for me. And when the time comes that I become back to the dirt, well, I have no idea. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Nice to function in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Steve. That was great. Oh, that's just such a great segue, Steve. Thank you for that. Uh, To today's lesson about how we defend against truth. Sickness is a defense against truth. So, Fran, I'll turn it over to you for this. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Hi, everybody. Bill in the first part of the workbook. Today we're on lesson 136. Sickness is a defense against the truth. So I shall read some from the lesson and then we'll do our five-minute practice. Sickness 
is a defense against the truth. No one can heal unless he understands what purpose sickness seems to serve. But then he understands as well its purpose has no meaning. Sickness is not an accident. Like all defenses, it is an insane device for self-deception. And like all the rest, its purpose is to hide reality. The aim of all defenses is to keep the truth from being whole. Defenses are not unintentional, nor are they made without awareness. They are secret magic wands you wave when truth appears to threaten what you would believe. Who but yourself evaluates a threat, decides escape is necessary, and sets up a series of defenses to reduce the threat that has been judged as real? All this cannot be done unconsciously, but afterwards, your plan requires that you must forget you made it. It is this quick forgetting of the part you play in making your quote-unquote reality, which makes defenses seem to be beyond your own control. But what you have forgot can be remembered. Sickness is a decision. It is not a thing that happens to you quite unsought, which makes you weak and brings you suffering. It is a choice you make. How do you think that sickness can succeed in shielding you from truth? Because it proves the body is not separate from you, and so you must be separate from the truth. Thus is your true identity preserved, and the strange, haunting thought that you might be something beyond this little pile of dust, silenced and still. Thus is the body stronger than the truth, which asks you live but cannot overcome your choice to die. Such is your planning for your own defense. God knows not of your plans to change his will. You can but choose to think you die or suffer sickness or distort the truth in any way. What is unalterable cannot change. And what is wholly sinless cannot sin. Truth merely wants to give you happiness, for such its purpose is. Truth has a power far beyond defense, for no illusions can remain where it has been allowed to enter. It is found at any time. Today, if you will choose to practice giving welcome to the truth, this is our aim today. And we will give a quarter of an hour twice to ask the truth to come to us and set us free. And truth will come, for it has never been apart from us. We introduce it with a healing prayer to help us rise above defensiveness and let truth be as it has always been. Sickness is a defense against the truth. I will accept the truth of what I am and let my mind be wholly healed today. Healing will flash across your open mind as peace and truth arise. Now is the body healed. If you have been successful, there will be no sense of feeling ill or feeling well, 
of pain or pleasure, no response at all is in the mind to what the body does. Its usefulness remains and nothing more. Do not be confused about what must be healed, but tell yourself, I have forgotten what I really am, for I mistook my body for myself. Sickness is a defense against the truth, but I am not a body, and my mind cannot attack, so I cannot be sick. So we'll take our five-minute practice. Lesson 136, Sickness is a defense against the truth.
No one can heal unless he understands what purpose sickness seems to serve. For then he understands as well its purpose has no meaning. Lesson 136. Sickness is a defense against the truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Well done. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Hi, this is Robin Marie. And I don't know, it's kind of a catch thing too, in a way, because uh, one might feel that, like if I were sick, something was going on with my body that um, I, uh, and, and my mind is saying, uh, I must be guilty now because I think that there's something wrong with my body. <clears throat> and we're guiltless, so, um, and we're not bodies. So just to stay in that place of um, recognizing that we are one with God, that we are as God created us, and that um, the crucifixion was based on, um, you know, saying that that God is guilty, that 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 no one is blameless. It's just an interesting. Um, Uh, realization of how much guilt we lay upon ourselves as well as other people. And uh, being able to accept the miracle of healing, uh, well, it says in this course, it only takes a little bit of willingness. I'm hoping, and I can give that. Uh, and have faith. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. I uh, I absolutely sense your willingness. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin. And um, um, I heard this morning it said, love without fear. And I thought, love without fear, what is that? And it's unconditional love. It's love that does not need to be reciprocated. It's love that does not need to be acknowledged. It's my knowing the truth of who I am, which is I am love. So I don't need to seek outside myself for love because I am the love that I'm seeking. And I need to accept life as it is, knowing that it's perfect, just 
the way it is. Why? Because I am the love. I am the unconditionalness of love. And I'm here to express it, even if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like it deserves to be loved. I'm just here not to judge, but to love and to know that I'm innocent and the reason I can love the world, which is not easy right now, is because I know it's innocent too. It just was given wrong information and it's basing its reality on lies and it doesn't even know what it's doing. (laughs) So it's innocent. And as long as I can just keep affirming that I am love, loving and lovable, that's it. It's a complete circle. I'm, it's, I'm whole and complete and healed. And the world does not have to give me anything that isn't based in the truth of who I am, which is love, loving, and lovable. And that's unconditional that's love without fear I'm complete oh thank you Sandra a very good working definition of accepting atonement thank you for that Good morning. Um, something's been coming up for the last couple of days, and it doesn't really relate to the lesson so much, as far as I can understand it right this second, but it relates to guilt. So um, I don't know, maybe if I shine the light on it by, by talking about it for a minute or two, it would um, it would make some progress happen. So the Course has taught us that our ego beliefs, our core beliefs of our ego, um, hold a lot of power, and they operate unconsciously all the time. And um, I've been noticing that I have this energy pattern, that this habit energy that's, I mean, most of the time my mind feels like it's staying in the... uh, holiness of love and and grace right but at the same time there are these habit energy things that are going on that are completely egoic patterns that are very bad and very self-destructive and um, so the example I'll give is um, I've been having for the past couple of years I've been gaining and gaining and gaining weight and I wake up in the morning and I throw away all the junk food, 
right? I throw away the potato chips and the ice cream and the donuts and all the crap I've bought, even bread sometimes. But then around lunchtime or after lunch in the afternoon, I just go buy it and I go eat it as if as if this part of me that takes over is completely out of nowhere, just takes over, does this thing. I watch it, but I feel like I can't stop it. And then later in the night, there's all this guilt and all this um, self-loathing and guilt, you know. Why am I so self-destructive? Why can't I stop this? Okay, so now I'll go back 10 years, and I did the same thing with with alcohol you know I would swear I wasn't going to drink that day and then that would be the morning and you throw everything away that's left over from the day before and or from whenever and then by four o'clock in the afternoon I'm buying I'm buying alcohol and then by nighttime after uh, you know I fall asleep and wake up I'm like oh I'm such a horrible person this is awful Okay, that's that. Then you go back further to childhood, and every morning I wake up and say, I'm not going to let him molest me today. But then when I get home from school, I can't stop it. I can't stop it. And then after it's over, I feel like I'm going to go to hell. I'm going I'm to go to hell. I can't, I can't do anything about it. And it's this pattern. It's an insane pattern from childhood. And for all the therapy and all the Course in Miracles and all the going to the guru and all the meditation and all the I am the divine, I am spirit, I am not the body, I am not the separated self, you know, and it still operates. And I don't know what to do about this. I put it on the altar to the Holy Spirit. And I still keep acting it out every single day. And it took years to get rid of the alcohol thing after um, I had a a psychotic breakdown and the sexual abuse stuff came up. It took years to be able to stop drinking. Years. And now I'm doing the same thing with food. It's just whack-a-mole. It's the same exact thing. And the Course tells us that when we have a core belief in the ego, that there is a power to it. And the light of the Christ, the Holy Spirit needs to dissolve it. And we put it on the altar, and the Holy Spirit will undo it. But why doesn't it undo it? I'm doing like, you know, I meditate, I chant, I pray, you know, so okay. I want to say one more thing, and I'm sorry I'm going on and on. But the other thing is there's another one. There's that one, and then there's another one, which is like, you know, I'm doing all the spiritual stuff for the part of the day that my mind is on the Christ, you know, is in the course, doing the lessons and doing this and doing that, doing the calls and, you know, doing my chanting and watching the live stream from India and all of that stuff. That's now, right? And then there's all this dysfunctional behavior going on, too. And, you know, as an example, like, I went to um, I went to India, and I 
did this thing called being on staff in Europe. And in Europe, when you're on staff, you ride on the bus for 6 to 12 hours. You pay $3,000 for this great honor of working. <laughs> you chop potatoes and onions at midnight and all hours of the day and night. You sleep on a piece of cardboard in a room with 200 women. And you use the bathroom and the showers that are in these trucks, like that show up at these venues, and you just surrender yourself all the time, right? And I'm doing all that, but then these people come and sit during the budget, which is like the only time you can be in the program and be a part of the program. These people on staff sit next to you and are talking in their, you know, out-in-the-room voices, and I felt like I hated them. So here I'm doing all this stuff to try to be good, to be to undo my ego, to surrender to God, and I'm sitting there and I'm hating the people sitting next to me, and that's undoing everything that I'm trying to do. Just like here and now, like all the acting out that happens in the in the in the face of doing everything that I can do that I do to try to be good, I'm doing something terrible at the same time. And then I go back even farther to childhood, and um, my mother, I had to, I had to take care of three babies. They were all in diapers. I had to clean the dirty diapers in the toilet with my bare hands. I had to take care of nine dogs, a mother German Shepherd, and eight puppies. And I had to clean up all the feces and feed them and take care of nine dogs. I had to do all the laundry and all the cooking, and I couldn't even go to school. I had to stay home every Wednesday to babysit, and I did all of that. And my mother would come home, and in the middle of the night, she would pull me out of bed by my hair because I forgot to take the little bit of stuff out of the train in the kitchen sink. It's like a pattern. No matter what I do, I can't get it right. How much I try, I can't get it right. Okay, yeah, these are both ego stories. They're both ego childhood dramas. But the pattern energy persists. That's my point. The energy of the patterns is still living on and unaffected by the Holy Spirit and the Christ. How is that possible? What am I doing wrong? I'm sorry it took so much time. I'm complete. Not at all, Karen. Um, Please don't be sorry. Um, Revealing these ideas to your own mind is so important. And, um, And I recognize all of them as part of um the same thing I did to myself with my own sense of purity codes. I'm doing everything and what's going wrong here? Um, and revealing that to my own mind is so important. So thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. That was such a beautiful, heartfelt share because I could totally relate to all of it and um, you know it's the ego it's so tempting to think that I'm doing something wrong or you know to go to that place in myself what am I doing wrong 
I must be wrong. There must be something wrong with me. You know, and that comes from the experience that you had as a child. And those patterns are very difficult. My experience with them is they're difficult to break. I'm still in them. But I, you know, and, and they just come off in layers. That the whole point is never give up, never, never, never give up. They do come off in layers. And you just got to stay the course. That's all. And keep keep forgiving yourself and forgiving everything. No, 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 beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are innocent. And that these patterns, you know, I was bulimic for 20 years. Destroyed my teeth, destroyed my stomach, you know, to the point of I was bleeding inside, internally, until I could pull it together to stop. And I, and I needed help. I needed support. You know, I went to Overeaters Anonymous. I went to 12-step programs. I, I did everything that I could. And it didn't happen when I snapped my fingers. It was a process. And the Holy Spirit is you. You are the Holy Spirit. And these patterns were basically taken up to survive. But they're just no longer necessary. That's all. They're just not necessary for your survival anymore. You know, the mother's not there anymore. The, 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 the nine dogs aren't there anymore. And, and that was, you know, that, that must have been awful. Just awful. An awful experience. And I want to acknowledge you for getting through it and for, and for using whatever you could in order to survive. But the thing that I always have to remember is that I'm not there anymore, that I'm right here. And no, things don't look exactly the way I want them to look, but that's not an excuse for me to go down on myself and say, well, there must be something wrong with me. I'm not doing it good enough. You know, there's, it, it, I, that's just no excuse. And I just keep affirming that I am loved. You can keep affirming. You are loved. You are loved. You are loving and lovable. That's the truth about you. That's the truth about me. And I'll keep saying it over and over and over and over again for, for a million years until I believe it. Because that's the truth. And that's the, the, the diligence and vigilance that's required is for me because I don't believe the truth about who I am. I'd rather, not rather, I mean, it's just a habit. I'm still believing what my parents told me who I was or some teacher or some person who doesn't see me. And if I don't see me, how is anybody else going to see me? So for me... The process is really about continuing to see myself truly for the way that I truly am. I am love, loving, loved, and lovable. And I hope you can know that beyond a shadow of a doubt for yourself. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra and Laurie. That was just beautiful. And, and thank you, Karen. You know, just the willingness to be open and honest about 
what we feel. It's like Laurie said, you know, that's a huge thing in bringing that to our present state of awareness because that's where the heal... I mean, I can only share what's been helpful for me. And um, <laughs> I've had many addictions and I've had many... Um, what the world would cause, say, or devastating experiences and crazy experiences, ridiculous experiences, um, you know, in my 73 years. And, uh, you know, the thing that helps me is, um, well, a couple things, you know, the couple things. My, um, you know, there's, there are lessons about placing value in what is valueless. And when Jesus says talks about placing value in it, it's I I interpret that I've interpreted that to mean significance and importance. You know, once I I've been addicted to so many things. You know, when I was younger, uh, addicted to alcohol. Um, I thought that would just sedate me. And um, I've been I've been addicted to peppermint patties. You know, I'm I would eat peppermint patties, and it sounds innocent, but I would eat them until I made myself sick. And at one point in in my pain from this, see what was it called? Spinal stenosis, nerve pain. I was on pain pills, and I felt <laughs> addicted to them, and I judged myself so harshly through all these things, and, and um, what I found was my resistance to them, my judgment of them, was what was holding that energy in place, and I was not allowing it to pass through. So I started eating peppermint patties as often as I wanted, and in the non-judgment, I, I lost all desire for peppermint patties. Now, I wouldn't eat a peppermint patty if you brought me a barrel of them. And in my addiction to alcohol, I would have, I just decided, okay, I'm not going to judge myself. And what came to mind was my hangovers the next day. And they became more important to me than drinking the alcohol. And then in my addiction to what I thought, you know, to my pain medication, I thought, God, I'm going to probably be dead in a few years. What do I care if I'm addicted? It takes my pain away. And what a gift that is to me. So then, you know, I didn't take them regularly. I only took them when needed, and that was fine. You know, that was taking them as the doctor suggested. So what I'm saying is, you know, the guilt we we feel and we carry, at least the guilt that I felt and carried, was not about the past. The guilt that I carried, it, it didn't belong in the past. It, belonged, it was about my mind. And I found that um, the present state of awareness was the most important thing I could do, staying present, keeping my awareness out of the past, keeping my awareness out of the future. All these things, these things just robbed that negative energy of its power over me. I sort of gave myself permission to be human and in giving myself permission to just be however I showed up. I mean, this lesson today used to be the most challenging lesson in the whole workbook for me because I blame myself. I kept saying, why do I defend against the truth? 
and you know and 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 also my uh belief in scarcity i kept getting scarcity and i would pray why god do you, i keep asking for healing over scarcity and you keep showing up in my life and it wasn't until i learned that my well-being i'm sustained by the love of god not by what's in my bank account not that you know what's in my body pain and the remedies to anything because in my humanity i couldn't fix them because you know in truth they they didn't exist so i was battling nothingness felt sure felt like somethingness but when i stopped when i gave up the fight it was like the light shined in the light shined in i gave myself permission and i forgave myself for the past and the past disappeared from my awareness it was only when i went searching for it in my mind when i left this present moment that it came back into my mind and tortured me so i just made the decision to always be present and you know being handicapped it was helpful because if i'm not mindful and present you know i can <laughs> i can fall on the floor pretty easily you know so i don't know that's just my experience here and 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 um you just have to forgive yourself let yourself be human you know your experiences are special to you because you know when we misidentify ourselves and align with the ego we can't see the light but when we remember as sandra was saying when we remember our innocence and know that we are divine and stay in that thought system and and always go towards the light whenever they come bring you you know i bring sins of threatening thought or or spinal pain nerve pain shoots up my back i know i've left the presence of god so i bring myself back to the present moment and i rest there and sometimes it could be for a few days i have to rest there in order for that energy to pass but it always passes and that's why that this lesson isn't threatening to me anymore because i know i may not know about my unconscious guilt about my body but i know what the remedy is when it shows up and i know i'm always healed because that's what's been shown to me um you know it's it's like we don't have to believe what jesus teaches in fact he encourages not to believe it but he does encourage us to take it out for a test drive and see what shows up you know like steve was sharing earlier it's in the experience that we recognize the truth and the only way we can recognize the truth is by trusting it trusting the truth is true and trusting comes from trusting you know once you start trusting little things and then they're validated and the more they're validated the more uh, it's easier for me to trust until the whole shebang <laughs> you know i gave it all to god even my daughter when she was addicted to heroin i trusted god for her well-being and i just tried to be the peace that showed up whenever she was near so um and it is a process you know like Sandra was here and it it's a process. It's a process of what works and what doesn't work. And when we remember to trust what Jesus guides us to try, um it validates itself and the more we trust it. So then our periods of peace start, 
you know, at the beginning of the journey, it's like I was in fear all the time. And once in a while, I stumbled into a peaceful, happy moment. But that's totally flipped now. Now I'm in peace all the time. And once in a while, I stumble into fear or pain. And when it happens, I know the way out. So it isn't like I even have a choice anymore. Why would I choose the fear? Why would I choose the past? Why would I fear the future when I can be at peace right here and right now with you guys? You know, so I'm sorry to babble on. Um, you are innocent, sweetheart. You are the innocent child of God. You can't know, you couldn't do anything wrong if you know, even if you were a super powerful Wonder Woman. You couldn't do anything wrong. It's impossible for you to even make a mistake. You know, and I and I think um, Steve started to share that too. That our journeys are specifically made for us to awaken. So honor your journey. Honor your journey that's leading you back to God and light, and forgive yourself. Give your give yourself permission to be human. Forgive yourself. That's all you need to do. I mean, that's all I needed to do. <laughs> was to forgive myself for all my crazy ideas, for all my stupid worries and guilt. And, you know, just beyond the guilt, one more thing and I'll shut up. Just beyond the guilt is the love of God. Otherwise, why would I feel guilty? If there wasn't love at the foundation of everything and everyone, I wouldn't even give a hoot. Guilt comes from a betrayal of love. So we go beyond the guilt to the love that's right underneath it, right beyond it. And guilt just blocks it. So we let go of the guilt. We even give ourselves permission to feel guilty because that's non-resistant. And anything we don't resist passes out of our awareness because we're not holding it in place. Give yourself permission to be guilty. Give yourself permission to be sad when you want to be sad. Give yourself permission to be you. And make that okay. Because you are perfect. And any of your judgments, you know, what, what does that say? And I think, um, was it, I don't remember who, the only difference between a flower and a weed is a judgment. So we're flowers. You're a beautiful flower. You're not a weed. <laughs> I'm complete. Oh, Lana, that was just so perfect. Beautiful oh, share. Yes. Beautiful share. Thank you all. Just great. Exactly how we exactly how we crucify ourselves with our thoughts. You highlighted it. Oh, just perfectly, Lana. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Hi. This is Yogi Chris. want to just say hi. It's tough to slip through uh, spaces. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for a, a quiet space where I could say hi and not step over anyone. I'm complete. Thank you. Just listening. Thank you, Chris. Very glad you're here. Hi, Yogi Chris. And Judy? Hi. Hi. Just some very 
want to thank everyone for sharing and um, just the powerful honesty of um, and, 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 and acceptance of being human is, I think, where, where um, we have to start, you know, that we start from this bottom up. We start from this hummus of our own human experience and, and some everyone's experience is, is particular and unique, just like snowflakes and um you know that what's happening is happening, and it's in in the wonderful realization that I'm completely dependent on God and His wholeness for the totality of the experience that makes it all all right, makes it all okay, because I'm not. It's not personal, and I'm I'm a part of it, but I, and I'm in it but I'm not of it. I can be knowingly aware of the totality of everyone's experience and in, in, in its relationship, it's, in its one holy relationship. And I don't have to understand it. I don't have to figure it out. All I have to do is be one with it and present to it. Um, this problem of guilt, you know, that it's not really a problem. It's something that the ego has made up. Um, from it, the egoic point of view, it's a it's a perspective of viewing the world, and the and the thoughts that arise from it arise from separation. And the the lesson, you know, I so as I've shared shared and shared before about my physical ailments. This is the sickness is not about sickness of the body. It's sickness in being separate thinking, believing, and looking through the eyes of being separate from the world and everyone else. Because if I'm separate, I'm separate from everything. Every living thing, the universe, is outside of me. Now, the Course teaches us there's nothing outside of this one-mindedness, and that's a complete and holistic, calm, non-judgmental, awareness that accepts everything that appears and seems to be as uh, um, coming and going, as temporal and changing, this too will pass. You know, it's not good or bad. It's not evil or good. We can't judge it because in our limited perspective, the way we see through our body's eyes and through our own, quote, personal, unquote, personal experience is so limited that it's impossible for us to judge it. But it's not impossible for us not to take it personally. This is happening, but it's I'm not a victim of it. It's not changing the eternal changelessness of how God created me to be, to be kind and loving and gentle, first and foremost with myself. You know, I step out of harm's way. I step out of evil's way unless I'm strong enough to embrace it with loving kindness. I'm not a good participant if I'm not in my foundation, my home ground. And I love the way this reading talks about this hidden course cornerstone. There are few, few fundamental core beliefs 
we have a whole lot of beliefs going on. And I don't have to analyze them endlessly on a daily basis. I have one. I have one God, one reality, one peace, one joy, one happiness in my awareness of who I am in God, in my holy relationship. That's an excellent position to let the ego go. My personal opinions and what I think about anything are pretty close to idle thoughts and meaningless thoughts because they're an interpretation and a distortion of the totality of of the reality of God as he created it, which in my limited point of view, point of view, point of view, it's just an opinion. So I can't. I don't believe anything I think about what's happening here. It's just happening. It's happening. It's an experience of being now. That I love what Steve shared about. It's always now. And it's not about being present in the moment because that's already a slice and dice. I have, there's now, 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 now. And it's gone. It's gone, 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 gone. And there's no past. It's gone. To think about something is not to be present now, here and now. It's all there is is here and now. Am I happy now? Am I joyous now? Am I free of what I believe? Free of being in, in bondage to the cage within the limited source of my thinking? Um, that... You know, not valuing, attacking myself. I told my neighbor yesterday, she was asking me about my pain, and I said, if I had a gun, I'd shoot myself. And she looked at me, and she started to laugh. And she said, I'm glad I know you don't have any guns. And, uh, you know, we both laughed out loud because she, she's a nurse, and she had a bumper sticker that said, word on it. It didn't say the word, it just said word. And that's the beginning and the end of all questions. There's nothing to decide between, for, or against. It's just the word. And it's happening, and it's happening right here and right now. And if you want to slice and dice it and pick it apart, we're going to suffer. Everybody suffers because of that. It's a dream of judgment. For the judgment for the judging world and the judging ego and the judge, dream of judgment to end, it's, it's in the calm light of truth that God is, nothing else is, it's all the face of God. And whether you want to identify with that as a thought system or, you know, just shoot me. <laughs> Give me a gun and shoot me. That my ego wants me dead. It's like, give me more pain. Let's see. Let's see how um, easily I can say those words. I want to die. I want to just die. I want to kill the pain. I don't want to. I don't want to kill myself. It's an impossibility. But um, we have to learn how to to see how the ego thinks. It's always negative destructive, hurtful, harmful, judging, condemning thoughts that are on its behalf. It supports its, its misery. It supports its isolation. It supports its hopelessness and helplessness, guilt and despair, blame and shame. and uh, It's just such a, a bag of worms. 
And uh, that's an insult to worms because I think worms are a beautiful thing. <laughs> in the remembrance of God, my Father, my Creator, and all that's holy and good, I really hope and pray that uh, we can all have a, a peaceful, loving, extending the love of our Creator in, into ourselves and outside of ourselves. No insides or outsides. Amen. I'm complete. It's a beautiful prayer, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Hi, this is Yogi Chris. As I was listening to Karen earlier, um, I was listening to my inner guidance because that's very important to do that for me, both the higher guidance or the attempt of lower guidance or the, or the egoic self. And I know that our core belief is not from the ego, of course not. Our core belief is from who God created us to be. And we could witness any beliefs of the ego that doesn't serve us. And, and yeah, does that, uh, does that recycle? Yeah. But um, that voice from the past that says that we're very bad or self-destructive, that littleness is crying for help in us, in me. I'm going to change it to me because I can't speak for everyone. When, and I don't experience this anymore. Um, I like what Lana said about her experiencing peace all the time, most of the time. Um, but it's crying out for help in us, in me, for uh, I to shine God's love and acceptance at it. Um, I could go and look for comfort in others, and they could share with me comforting words. But if I'm not in that place of comforting and being with the comforter, they're not going to do that for me. I need to be with the comforter within. They'll, they'll give me signposts. They'll share with me their, store, their um, experience, strength, and hope, but ultimately it's, after, it's up to me. Um, so after I make a mistake, I need to love and accept the little child within and mend it through forgiveness and allowing it to pass. Sorry to call the ego the little child within, but how do you end, end fear but with love and shining the light of love to any quote-unquote darkened places? Um, hating, at the time this was happening, hating others outside of me was a reflection of hating myself. 
So I needed to really, instead of hating the hate of myself, I needed to bring love and acceptance of that hate within. Um, and of course, when, <laughs> as Mary J. Blyde would say, the haters are out there, I could do the same for the haters. <laughs> um, so looking back, of course, it was an addiction to egoic consciousness, an addiction to an addiction in the way I used to see. Thus, I needed comfort. So in the past, I seek for comfort outside of me instead of God. It's the only way I knew. But now, you can imagine who I go to for comfort. Um, so uh, what else I'd like to share? Of course, my intention is to be truly helpful. Um, so I could choose to be self-loving and accepting of myself now, long story short, and this enables me to continue growing and allowing what I allowed to pass to be released, disidentified, cleansed in the light of God's love. If I observe a mistake, I could correct it with mending it and that attitude of self-acceptance and love. I like to repeat that for myself with an attitude of self-acceptance and love. Lana said it very nicely. Um, so what happens if I witness slipping back to an old way of thinking, feeling, and behaving? I don't need to feel guilty and ashamed. Regressing, that regression happens from time to time. That's how I learn and grow by the time, by the way. So it's a good thing. So that relapse is an important and necessary part of my self-care in the undoing process. And, and the answer to come out of that is being who I am and where I am today totally accepting myself exactly the way I am, as Sandra beautifully said. As, as, uh, I don't know if it was Sandra or Lana, being right where I need to be and accepting that in my spiritual journey. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Chris. Thank you very mm -hmm. much for that. Yes, that Thank was, you, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you. You really oh. hit it on the, key, on the head, the nail on the head with the love. You embrace everything with love. It's the most powerful force in the universe, and anything that's in the remedy for anything that seems unlike love, we just bring it to love. We, You know, in this present moment, it's like in, in what Judy was sharing, it's always now. And if I keep my focus and on my attention and my awareness and now, then I become the observer to what's passing through my experience. Um, it's, it's like being above the battleground. So I see something I don't like, 
and I bring it to love. And it and in that in doing that, it it um, allows it to dissipate and dissolve, and be actually transmuted into love. You know, it's um, only my judgments keep me a prisoner to my thoughts, and um, just love it away. <laughs> just love it away. See its innocence, even the most fearful appearance, whether it be mental pain or physical pain, the remedy is always to bring it to love. Thank you, Chris, for sharing that so wonderfully. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, And thank you, everyone, who shared this morning about these layers of beliefs we peel off. Yes, Florian, and my favorite, um, my favorite thing about the Course in Miracles is that its entirety uh, is a voice, all of it. And when I learned to realize that this voice speaks to me of what I am and what's truth, um, and it's so beautiful, and I love it. And it helps me to realize that I had two voices in my head. One voice talked to me terribly, was constantly condemning me for falling short and covered me in shame. And this other voice said, none of what you believe is true. And through the recognition of these two voices, I learned to recognize which one is true um, because I love it. And doing the lessons gives me a direct experience of the truth. Take it out on the road and give it a test drive, you know? And by virtue of showing me how it works, how truth works to redeem my mistaken thoughts, I learned that of these two voices, there's only one I want to listen to, and it talks to me of me. It talks beautifully to me of me. And listening to that voice talk to me of me, I begin to remember the truth and recognize this other voice as what it always was, crucifixion of God's Son, always falling short. One voice, the voice I recognize and remember and talks to me so beautifully, leads me to love and that I am love. And everything I ever did with my mind otherwise to condemn myself, to cover me with shame, to blind me to myself was not only not true, but I don't want it anymore. And um, and that's how I would say ego disappears in the way of grace. I don't need it and I don't want it because I want only truth. From beginning to end, from beginning to end, this voice is the voice of truth. And it's all I want. 
it turns out um, that anything, anything I shine the light of my awareness on is magnified. And if I shine the light of my awareness on condemnation, it grows. Things grow in the light of my awareness. But if I shine my light on the awareness of truth, it grows. That's test driving. That's taking it out. That's rubber meets road. That's total commitment. That's what I want. And because it's what I want, he says, that will be given you. Um, there's the ego way of doing things. And it's always based on what you can think of as purity codes. If you do this and do that and do the other and follow these rules, you'll be judged worthy. But there are not enough purity codes cover this sense of shame um, that ego wants us to believe in and it does that by claiming body as an ally you see see how you failed see how you this see how you that all against a rigid sense of purity codes that are impossible because they're all based on judgment Course in Miracles offers holiness as an alternative and this holiness is so whole that when I share it with anyone else it grows in the same way that when I share guilt it grows now I understand I have a choice which voice to listen to which voice to hearken to which voice to lean into which voice to allow me an embrace of love or this other harsh voice that I can never ever ever satisfy because it's based wholly on judgment that's why the Rumi poem is so beautiful it says out beyond right doing and wrongdoing you know the ego is a doing machine but out beyond right doing and wrongdoing there is a field and when the soul lies down in that grass the world is too full to talk about that's what Course in Miracles offers I'm not afraid of love anymore and so um, to close this call uh, this is what I heard this morning and it's so beautiful also from Shailen Harkin in her book Susceptible to Light this poem is called Return Return <sighs> take a breath another round through the dark narrow tunnels of healing I swear I've been here before and I swore I'd never return but this time it's to heal the myth that there's failure in returning quote-unquote relapse into old ways is an opportunity for greater kindness oh can I be kind to myself yes I can an opportunity for greater kindness to newly revealed tender places so-called regression is a deeper look into your soul's needs darling your life is blossom after blossom on a thousand petaled lotus lesson after lesson in how to bow more deeply that voice is the voice of truth I'm complete
Amen. And what a beautifully tender call this was this morning. I'm so grateful. Thank you all.